When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Are you kidding me? Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in. It is Monday, May 11th. This is Winning Cures Everything. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And we had a fun weekend. We got live sports back. We got to watch Michael Jordan for a little bit. All those things are wonderful. Of course, we've also got some college football stuff going on. And we're going to talk a little bit about Zion Williamson once we get to that point in the show. If you are watching the show live, make sure you are subscribed on any of those platforms that you're on. We are on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and Periscope. Uh, You can subscribe on there. You can share the show out. And if you would, be so kind as to knock that out for us. We would definitely appreciate it. If you would also, just to make sure that you don't miss any shows, make sure you go and subscribe to the podcast. Any of your favorite podcast apps, Google, Apple, Spotify, whatever, Overcast, etc. Jump on in. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. Leave a nice comment, a nice review. Uh, definitely five stars on Apple Podcasts. And, uh, and McKinnon has already jumped in on Facebook. That is the next thing I was going to hit. If you're watching the show, make sure you jump into the chat. Your name pops up right there. It doesn't matter what platform you're coming from. It will be right there on the show. And you guys help drive the conversation we definitely appreciate that. Chris, did you have a good weekend, my friend? Yeah, pretty good weekend, pretty relaxing, and uh, ready to get to work. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Did uh, Did you watch the fights on Saturday night? Um, I did not watch them live. I went back and I YouTube them. I can understand. I, I, uh, yeah, I watched them Sunday. So. I, I sat and watched them by myself Saturday night. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It was an incredible card. Absolutely had every perfect. intention to, and then lost control of the television. So I, you know what, I, I've had to deal with that. So I had to come into the other room to get it started. Um, but yeah, we'll. Uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and j- uh, jive. Let's dive into that. UFC two forty nine was on Saturday night, and there were some incredible knockouts, incredible undercard. Cater uh, Calvin Cater. Knocked out Jeremy Stevens. Uh, Cerrone lost. Matt jumps in on YouTube already. He said, what's up? Murder Hornets, of course, every day we're jumping in on the Hornets. Um, Pettis beat Cowboy, which was an incredibly, great incredibly fight. even fight. Like, yeah, great, a great fight. Yes, it absolutely was. Um, that was a fun fight. Uh, Francis Naganu knocked out uh, Rosenstruck. 
however you say his name. Uh, Michael jumps in on Twitch, said, what's up, fellas? Hope you had a great weekend. We did, and hopefully you did as well. Uh, Francis Naganu should 100% be the heavyweight champion right now. I think he is better than Stipe Miokic, uh, Miokic, whatever his name is. Surely they're going to fight soon, right? Well, because we're it, it's in he may not fight for not much to a year. He's got nothing else to prove in that division. He's beaten everybody else, but he hasn't gotten to to face Cormier and he hasn't gotten to face Stipe. So, and he's not going to because they those two have fought twice for that heavyweight belt now. So, Cormier won it the first time. Stipe won it back the second time. Stipe is now a a first responder in whatever state, maybe Ohio, something like that. So he's helping fight the pandemic. And then we're supposed to get D.C. and Myokic 3. And Nagano's just got to wait around. Like I, and I don't blame him for waiting at this point because he's had so many fights. His last three fights, no, four fights, I'm sorry, have all ended in less than 46 seconds. He goes, yeah, I want to see him in, I'm, I want to uh, see him in slight fight bad. Oh, absolutely, because it, the next fight, the D.C. fights, is going to be his last one. Daniel Cormier is is done. He's got nothing else to prove. I think so. Like, so, I, I think, I mean, he's already said that he's going to retire soon. But It, I, it would just be a cash grab, then. It'd oh. just be a, let's get the trilogy over with since we're both one and one. You got it. And um, and, and I kind of hate that because we know we know where we stand on that, so let's just move on. Well, what I, what I hate about it is if he comes back and wins that third one, then he is going to... Uh, he'll go out with the belt, and if he retires with the belt, then you got to come back and have Stipe, who just lost it, possibly fighting Naganu for that. But I mean, it just. But that's what, that's what I, need, I well, that would be what need to happen anyway. I mean, we're, yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm not upset with that. You I know, do hate those are the only two that would be qualified to fight for the belt. Agreed. I do really hate that um, that we're not going to get to see him fight for another nine nine to twelve months. Because there's no reason for him to go out there and do it, uh, other than just to demolish. These guys people. fight sooner than that. I mean, if we can get if we can get Cormier and Steve to fight in the next you know two months, then then why why can't they fight you know well, but three I months? After I don't that. think he's going to fight in the next two months because he's a first responder right now. So he's uh, the, the first responders aren't. Hospital work. I'm not trying to get into the COVID stuff. Hospital workers are getting laid off because the hospitals are not having the amount of people that they need to have to fully staff them. Yeah, you might be right. You might They're be right. They're getting laid off in droves right I, now. I hope that we can especially get it in soon. places like Ohio and the Midwest. I mean, maybe yeah. not in LA, maybe not in New York, but the rest of the country. Him being a first responder, he's not the first responder we need right now. Yeah. Because because okay. guys with real jobs that do that for a living are getting laid off. That's a, that's a very valid point. You got a valid point. Um, on top of that, the last two fights of the night, Henry Cejudo, he stops Dominic Cruz, and I did. Uh, did you actually get to watch this fight? I didn't watch this fight. No. Okay, so hang on, you, you skipped over the. Um, uh, oh shit! What was the fight? I oh, Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy. Hardy. The Greg Hardy fight. I thought it was really interesting. So we haven't even talked about how there were no crowds there. There was no fans there. I thought it was fine. I thought it was better without oh, yeah. them. I but I actually good. thought it was interesting. Hardy admitted he heard the announcers say he hurt his foot. Yeah. And and so then he kind of took advantage of that, and he was able to take advantage of it. And 
part of me, I thought it was weird that they had the announce. Like you have this thing where you have the, the fighters literally rolling on each other, spreading bodily fluids, one on top of one another. And then you got the announcers spread out across the ring. Like, I think, I think we've made up our mind that if we're going to do this, then let's just put everybody next to one another. We've all obviously been tested to be here. So let's just all be next to one another and be here. Um, Because I wonder, would they have been talking as loudly as they were talking? Had they not just been screaming into a mic, I am quieter when you're next to me than I am when you're not, because I feel like there's mentally something where I have to yell to get you to hear what I'm saying because in my brain, you're miles away, because you are. Yeah, no, they they did bring up something about that in one of the, the last two fights. I can't remember exactly when it was, but the, the announcers mentioned they can hear us because they're pointing out different things. Because Hardy and, Hardy pointed it out. Hardy admitted it after the fight. He said, I heard I heard y'all talking about it. I heard you point out that his, his foot was messed up or his leg was messed up. And so I took advantage of it. Yeah, and and... To his credit, like hundred percent, he needs to take advantage of that. No, I'm not. But, I'm not blocking him. Yeah, no, I no. Didn't I didn't mind I it not being crowded. I had no problems with there being no fans whatsoever. That didn't move the needle at all for me. I kind of enjoyed being able to hear the ring a lot better, being able to hear everything a lot better. It's a, it's a little bit like um, the the television show that they had because they only had like. I don't know, 20, 30 fans in there, basically friends and family of the fighters uh, when, when they did the television show. Yeah, the ultimate and, fighter. Yeah, The ultimate fighter. That's I've always yeah. forget the name of it. And, <laughs> and so it was a little bit like that, but with nobody instead of 20 people. And so, I, I mean, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it a lot. And, uh, and, and yeah, so. All right, so, so Henry Cejudo, uh, since you didn't get to see this, he got a stoppage on Dominic Cruz in the second round with two seconds left in round two. And we have seen this twice now. TJ Dillashaw had the same thing happen to him. And so now Cejudo, he has come out, he's beaten everybody, right? Bantamweight, flyweight, he's won the belt at both. And he came out after this fight and said he was retiring. He's 33 years old. He's an Olympic gold medalist. He's done everything on this that he wants to do. He says he's got a girl now. He wants to start a family. Um... His there was talk of this a few months ago, where he if he wasn't making what he wanted to make on these fights, then that's all she wrote. There's no point in him continuing to do this because he's he's basically won everything. He he has reached every goal he has ever set for himself uh, at every level. So now that he's 33 and he's beaten all these legends in these divisions and he's done everything that he could do. He's riding off into the sunset. It was really yeah. surprising to me because he is just now making, in the last year, he's just now made a, a mainstream name for himself. And he is fun to watch, man. He's unbelievable. But back to the stoppage. It was really strange. Uh, and, and like I said, same thing happened with T.J. Dillashaw. When he catches you with something, it is a flurry of just... You can't stop him at that point. Uh, it takes you a long time. Here's the thing: he's not a huge guy. I mean, he's like five foot five, and and they're in the 135 pound weight division. He's not big, so the punches aren't punches that are going to knock you out necessarily. But there are so many of them. He caught Cruz with a knee um, right after, so they had to stop the fight for a second because 
their heads collided, and it cut Cejudo open, right? So there's blood just flowing down, so they got to check him and everything. And then they let him come back in and fight. So he's just, he's bloody as hell, and he comes back in, and he catches Cruz with a knee immediately. I mean, this was, you know, 15 seconds left in the round. Catches him with that knee, and he falls back. And once he falls back, Cejudo jumps on top of him and gets like seven or eight clean looks at him and is just pounding him. And the ref actually stopped the fight with two seconds left in the round as he was getting back up, as Cruz was getting up. Like, he was not at all affected by the punches. It was, it was really strange, and he was super mad about it. But this is twice that we've seen this with Henry Cejudo, and it's kind of surprising. Like, I, I do think it should have been a stoppage because you get that many clean looks at somebody— you know, you would think you got to do that. But, yeah, it was it's strange to see it happen twice. And then Cejudo was like, all right, I got lucky once. I just got lucky again. I'm a ride-off now that I've beaten both of these legends in the sport. At least that's the way that I took it. I, I, think, he's, I think he made up his mind before that ever Oh, happened. 100%. Yes, I really think, but, and there's no way. I'm going to tell you, these refs don't know that there's two seconds left to go. Like, they've got a no, no, little no, no, bit no. of a body that's, clock. No, but, I, I, but, forget the time. The fact that he was getting up, yeah, like that's what surprised me. It was a weird stop, and even Dana came out. But I mean, and said, if you agree like, that yeah. it should have been stopped, yeah, then, it, then the ref, if you saw it at home, he's closer than you are. Yeah, no, you're right. It was just it, it was it was really strange. I have to go back really and watch strange. that. Yeah, go you got to you got to go back and see that one. Uh, all right, so finally, the last fight of the night was absolutely the best. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh. And and we thought it was going to be the, a great fight, right? Like, oh, yeah. we thought Gagey coming in was going to make a better fight. I, I did. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I told you this beforehand. I, I I mean, I won money on him, so I felt good. Um, because I... You know, this got all the way bet up to two to one. Oh, yeah. I saw that. I mean, I, I hit I told it you I was going to bet late. I told you I was going to bet late. Oh, yeah. And I kept watching to see what time the fight was going to go. And and once you know it hit like ten forty five here, I was just like, I, I'll just go ahead and do it. It's not going to move a whole lot between now and then. Oh, it's I I hit it multiple times because once it got to like one ninety, I was like, okay, I need to hit this. Well, then it jumped to one ninety five. I hit it again, and then it jumped to two hundred. I was yeah. like, okay, I I got to hit this one one more time because like, if this pays off, it is massive money, and who I mean. This is why you bet dogs. Um, and tell, here, here's the issue, and, and I don't remember if I said it on the show or if I said it to you in like just off the air, whatever it was last week, but Ferguson had been training for so long for Habib, and Habib is, you know, ground and pound. He's the, he's the guy that you, you wrestle around on the floor with. You got to prepare for takedowns. You got to prepare, you know, all that. Gaethje is a stand-up shirt. Now, I understand he's he's a wrestler as well, but man, I was about to say, I, I think I think Gaethje could have wrestled with him. I think Gaethje knew he was preparing to go to the ground. Didn't yeah. once try to go to the ground. Didn't no. even want to. He wanted to stand there and go blow for blow with the striker. I mean, he's he is because that's what Ferguson does better than anything else. Yeah, it would have been smart to take him to the ground because you take away what he does great. Gaethje didn't care. He was just like, I'm I'm just going to beat the hell out of this guy and prove that I belong. Gaethje's punches. He hit him, I swear to God, 
with it, it was it was over seventy percent on significant strikes, which is at, at unreal. What point accuracy. Are you worried about? Do you break your own hand? It, it was those getting were that as way. clean landing punches to someone's skull as I have seen in a long, maybe ever. They did come in, out today, by the way. Ferguson, in MMA, Ferguson broke it like it broke his orbital bone. So he yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me. Oh. I'm trying to figure out how Gaethje didn't break his hand. I I haven't gotten in many fights in my life. Okay, I haven't. I almost every time I've ever gotten into a fight. Now I'm not close to the specimen that Gaethje is, but my bones are still pretty strong, and I was young, especially then. Almost every time I broke a bone in my hand, that I hit somebody in the face. Yeah. Almost every time I don't hit nearly as hard as these guys. Now, yes, they're taped up. Yes, they've got those little light gloves on. It it doesn't matter. The force at some point in time, how the hell did his hand not break? Yeah. And that's a testament to Ferguson, by the way, because he kept coming. That's that's the most interesting thing about it is like if you were going to give Ferguson a round, maybe, maybe you give him that second round. Uh even then, I still think just based on points, Gaethje. The chin Ferguson it. has is just ridiculous to that be is, able to take that kind of oh. ass whooping. And just keep coming? Yes. I mean, it was the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen in an MMA fight. I haven't ever. seen a fight like that ever. Like, ever. It, it it absolutely was incredible entertainment. It, yep. it was a fantastic fight. It's, and what, it's what we all needed in sports. We yeah. needed this to not be a letdown. Having no crowd was, no, was a zero burger, a complete non-factor at all if not made it a little more interesting than it normally would have been. And then the quality of fights that we got yeah. was just ridiculous. And and this one, to cap it all off, man, I I haven't enjoyed perfect. watching a fight in a long, long time. Helps being on the right side of it. Even if you're on the wrong side of it, it doesn't matter. It does doesn't matter. If you enjoy the sport, it doesn't matter. Well, I mean, it's why I didn't bet on, on Pettis or Cowboy. Like, yeah. I knew that was going to be a fun fight. And it was I, a great fight. It was yes. a, it is an outstanding fight. And I, I just wanted to be able to pull for both of them. I just wanted a, a good fight. So, and, and with Gaethje and Ferguson, like if this had been a closer line, like it was earlier in the week yeah. where it was like minus 145 and Wouldn't plus 115, like then I don't bet it. But yeah. once you get into plus 180, <laughs> plus 200. Are you kidding me? Oh, it's just stupid. There was no way on earth Gaethje is two to one dog to him. They, no. If they fight 10 times, this is a five and five. I, so, I that, think so there's no way on earth earth you can make one guy two to one favorite matt of course our uh resident uh, uh trainer said it's the lining yeah, how up did he not break his hand on he that said, dude's face man. it's the lining up of the joints plus these guys train punching over and over which builds strength in the tissues of the bones and the connective tissue he said martial okay. artists can straight kick metal and brick without any breaks due to the years of training and tissue accommodation Okay, so, so his bone, your bones get used to hitting things. Yeah, like Ferguson, for example, like he will sit and and use different like different parts of his body, like yeah. forearm, elbow, uh, hand, whatever, and he will he will sit for hours and punch like a metal pole that's in his training studio for hours, just boom, boom, boom and does it over and over. I've, the training videos, if you've never watched him, El Kukui is. Loco. <laughs> he's crazy. Damian Estrada said Gatesy is Terminator. 100%, man. He's like, he showed up for this one. Um, he's, that's four in a row now 
And so, he so lost- let me ask you a question. Do you, and I know I've got recency bias in my head and I've got the fact that I, I don't like Habib. Okay. Habib's a great fighter, but I don't enjoy He's watching boring. Habib fight. Um, do you think Gaethje could hang with Khabib or is he just that much bigger than better than everybody else? I think Gaethje could hang with him. Um, and we're Khabib going to get is, Khabib is better than everybody else. Not yeah, that he I, can't be, but he is better than everybody else. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just as he a skill has been for the last couple of years. At, yeah. But uh, if you look at his resume, be there now, if you, if you look at Habib's resume, it, there ain't a whole lot on it. Um, he, yes, like as far as skill goes, like he is, he is widely considered uh, the best in that division, maybe ever. But as far as the people that he's beaten, it's not. I mean, you know, I don't know, man. Like, I, Ally Quinta took him to five rounds. Like, you know, I. Uh, yes, I, I should say yes, right? And I, I do respect him as a fighter. I just, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Damien said, Gaethje should fight Cain Velasquez now that WWE fired him. <laughs> that, man, I, that's a that's a whole different limit. That's a whole different thing. I'll tell you this. I, I would like to see that fight again. What, Gaethje I, I, and if Ferguson? I was Ferguson, I'd want a rematch. Now I know there was no belt on the line or anything. Well, I mean, and so it was the interim belt. Why, but... why? You know, there's no reason for the you know three fight rematch kind of thing. Um, you usually you only do that for titles. I, I would like to see that fight again. I would as well. I don't think we're going to get it right away. I think you're going to get Habib and Gaethje, and the reason you're going to get it is Habib's because... going to get a fight soon because he's he hasn't fought in a while. Well, he, he's in the middle of Ramadan now, so. You know, oh, yeah. he might be ready by August, maybe. You maybe. think Gates will be ready by August? Yeah, yeah I think. Well, I guess you're right. We're early May. Yeah, I think I think Gates will be July. ready. By then. Oh, I, yeah. My guess it'd be is three full. It'd be three full months. More than likely, they will do this in September, and they will have McGregor fight somebody between now and then. Ferguson is not going to be ready for a while. Wow, yeah. uh, that orbital fracture. Yeah, no. It's going to take he, a while his to heal. Face, his face has got some healing to do. Yeah, 100%. Oh, man. He just, he looked, he looked like the boogeyman. Like, at That's the end of the That's the best fight I've seen in a long time. It's it the best fight I've seen in a long time. The yeah. fact that Ferguson kept coming shocked the hell out of me. And then I'm just thinking, how on earth is this dude's hand not breaking? Because he is hitting him as clean, as flush as you could throw a punch. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Uh, how... How does something not give? I was I was in shock, honestly. Like second round, third round, I thought it was done, and he refused to go down. And it just kept coming. Yeah, I mean it's just unreal. Tony Ferguson earned a lot of people's respect with that. Yes, yes. I mean it was crazy. It was absolutely crazy. So you're going to get Gaethje and Habib because okay with that. They've got the same manager. Yeah. Ali Abdelaziz is their manager, who not a lot of people like, but he's got a ton of people in UFC. And right now, he's got that division on lock, and he ain't letting anybody fight Conor McGregor. Like, that's the thing. And McGregor is so mad about it. So let, let's dive into what happened today, right? You can tell McGregor, after watching this weekend, is fired up, and he is itching to get back in and fight somebody. He wants to fight, right? So, And we talked about it last week. He told Dana White, 
he wanted to fight on Fight Island. That's going to be ready in June, right? Yep. So he wants to fight on Fight Island, but he wants to get a, a training camp in as well, so you got to get something done pretty soon. So earlier today, he comes out and tweets something, and Nate Diaz told him to shut your bitch ass up. And, <laughs> and in response, Connor said, shut your eyelid and sign the contract. So that immediately got everybody, oh, we're getting, you know, Connor and Diaz three, you know, whatever. Nate and McGregor three, whatever. And, and then after that, then you have all of this other stuff come out, and he goes absolutely bonkers on this, on this tweet. So have you seen this yet? No, but I haven't watched look at Twitter at all. So. About, about an hour ago, he starts rolling through a bunch of different tweets. And I'm telling you, man, he is he's on something. I don't like he's on he's on an adrenaline rush like you ain't ever seen. And I thought I had all of the tweets pulled up, but apparently I did not. Um but that's okay because it don't take but a second. But he absolutely was going bonkers earlier today. Um his first part was the fans make the sport. Watching the other night, I was against going in without them, but it will be my effing pleasure to display the power I possess with zero background noise for them. It's me and Justin next, as Habib is the biggest bottle fighter in the game. Guarantee it. Now, first off, explain to me what is a bottle fighter. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I get what he's saying. Like Habib runs from everybody. I get that. Uh, question on YouTube. Damien said, "Question: Do y'all think that Dana White will have hell after having the fighters?" Ref and round girls not wear masks while everyone else was wearing them? No. No. I think it's going to be fine. I think at some point in time you have to make up your mind, or are we doing this or are we not? And if we're going to do it, let's do it normal. And I think the people that wore masks, it was their decision to wear a mask. I don't think he made anybody wear a mask. Yeah. I I don't believe so. Joe Rogan was touching everybody. Joe Rogan was walking Laying in blood and spit, like he 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 said, if I'm doing this, I ain't. We're, we're going to do this like we've always done it. 100%. If we're all been tested and we're all clean, then there is no reason to to. It's not magic, okay? It's yeah. not going to jump from something that it doesn't exist on. And you got it. and I, I I enjoyed it. So absolutely, all right. So back to McGregor. He said, "I love Tony." Talking about Ferguson, we represented him amazingly at Paradigm Sports and were betrayed for a promise of a baseball contract again. No idea what that means. Uh, but frame and preparation here was just embarrassing. His methods and conversation are humorous, enjoyable, but he was never the level perceived, although he is tough. It is Dustin Tony next whenever Tony heals, if he does. Now, don't forget, Tony Ferguson's 36 years old, man. Like, he'd been around at this for a little while. He had not lost since 2012. Like, that's how crazy this uh, this fight was. Um, he said, Dustin will beat him also if changes are not made, which they won't. Dustin, although game and in the mix... We'll be fed to the floor again. Couple wins here, there, then folded in half, rinse and repeat. That's Dustin's career. Then he said, Justin, uh, talking about Gatesy, there is no danger in a man that hugs legs. We all know. Try and dance around what the real threat is here all you want. I am going to effing butcher you. Your teeth, I'm going to put them on an effing necklace. Speak on my skills as a father. You are effing dead. Then he said, hold on, it gets better. Don't you ever say you represent the great nation of the United States of America ever again. No true American would speak so highly of or allow a convicted member of a jihadi terror cell represent them. Never forget, you are an effing blind fool, and I'm going to finish the job. Habib, you absolute embarrassment, scurrying, hiding rat as usual, as I've said many times, as has been seen many times. Through the pane of glass, it was confirmed what was always known. 
quote unquote, no comment. LOL, an embarrassment to real fighting. Then he said, after this division demolition job, it is on to two seven or one seventy. So he's talking about Aziz. He's talking about you know Gaethje's manager and Habib's manager. Everybody knows the story there. Um, Matt, by the way, jumped in for Damien. Said they are monitored heavily, talking about all the fighters and all the people around. Yeah, oh, there's like, no doubt. Good. So McGregor is fired up. He wants somebody to sign a contract to fight him right now. Now, the issue is, and Brett Okamoto over at ESPN said that Connor had the chance to fight Gaethje back in January. What he was talking about on talking about his, uh, his skills as a father, on September 7th, back when Habib beat Dustin Poirier, he, Connor tweeted out and said, book my rematch for Moscow. He was saying, I'll fight Habib anywhere. I don't care. Gaethje came out and responded to him with a, a crying, laughing face and said, you're a tool. You've lost everything already. You're a shit human father and husband. F you. So Connor so is now... that's where the Gaethje father comments were. Yes. Gaethje is, like, he said that back on September 7th, and Connor is bringing it up now. Connor had the chance to fight him in January. So I'm a little irritated that he didn't just fight him in January. Everybody knew Cowboy is on the back end. And yes, Cowboy is incredibly respected, incredibly entertaining. He beat him in 40 seconds. You know, like if you wanted an actual challenge. I'm telling you, man, Connor spent too much time with, with Floyd. Oh, 100%. He did. he did. He got that easy paycheck from Floyd. And then Floyd said, listen, you, you don't want to get beat up for a living. The, the, your days of getting beat up for a living. You're now a star. Don't ever lose another fight again. Pick your fights. Pick them strategically. Pick people you can beat, and nobody's going to lay a hand on you. And that's what he's done ever since he fought Floyd. Now, I will say this. There is the other side, because he keeps calling out Habib. He keeps calling now, out, he you know, whoever. he just started doing that, though. He just started doing well, that. Well, he did that back in he September. dodged all these people ever since then, though. Hey, he dodged everybody except for Habib. And the, the issue was, back in September... The only money fight in this division was him against Habib. It was either that or it was Nate Diaz and him. Those are the only two money fights for him, yeah. right? I mean, it, he did barely over a million pay-per-views by himself with Cowboy because there was no, uh, there's no adversity. There's no nope. anything nope. that that draws all, people to the fight. We all knew the outcome. Yes. We just wanted to see the fight. We all knew right. the outcome, though. Now with Gaethje with his win against Tony Ferguson, with everybody watching, everybody saw that, and now he's willing to give him a fight. Now, Gaethje had been trying to get a fight with him forever. I mean, for a year now. And he didn't want to take it. And I can't say that I blame him. Why would that be a smart fight for him? Because he knows that Gaethje's a good fighter, but nobody knows him. Well, now that Gaethje has made his name... Coming now in as a backup for somebody else, like because this was supposed to be Habib and Tony. Yep. Which, for the fifth time, it gets canceled. Now Tony finally loses, and you know it, it, the guy wins twelve straight in the division and doesn't get a chance at at the title. Like that's just, ugh. you hate that for him. Hate that for him. But you still got to go out and you got to perform. You got to do that thing. Um, my guess is you're probably going to see McGregor against Dustin Poirier or against Nate Diaz, one or the other. 
everybody keeps talking about Jorge Masvidal. Like, look, he's he's fighting Kamara Usman eventually. That's happening. You you'll probably get Nate Diaz or Dustin Poirier this summer. That'll be Connor's next thing, and the winner of that one is going to get the winner of Justin and Habib. Period. Dustin wants a chance to go back against Habib. You know, I understand Habib just beat him in September, but he wants a rematch as well. Like, Dustin lost one fight against him, and nobody's talking about him. The guy's still a good fighter. So my guess is you're probably going to get Dustin Poirier against Conor McGregor, and then you're going to get Justin against Habib, and then you're going to have to find a way to toss Tony back in there whenever he heals up, because I think it's going to be at least six months, maybe longer, before his face heals enough to where he can get back in the octagon. Like, I, I don't think that's crazy, right? At six months for a orbital I fracture. The, I don't know the, I have no earthly idea of the, the time frame it takes to heal an orbital bone. I mean, when, when you've got, like, I figure any broken bone, and maybe if Matt's still listening, he can, he can help me out here, but I just, that seems like one, because you're, you're going to get hit in the face. Like, yes, 100%, it's going to happen. So, eh, I don't know. I, I cannot wait, though. Uh, with all the stuff that's going on with Conor McGregor, I think that that we're going to have him fighting again very, very soon. And if you have him out there, even with no fans, uh, it is going to be a massive, massive draw on pay-per-view. Massive draw. So, all right, we spent way too long on UFC, but that's fine. Um, let's go ahead and move into the last dance from last night, episode seven and eight. And look, when I told you I took a whole, I, you can't see it because it's, what I took a whole sheet of notes here. Um, let's see, Matt said it's designed to break to protect the eye. Yeah, we don't care about that. When, yeah, how give long does it take to heal, Matt? <laughs> give me a timetable, Matt. That's a <laughs> when can he get hit in the face again? That's, that's what we want to know. When can he do that? Uh, that's pretty crazy that, I mean, it, it broke his orbital bone and he was still wanting to fight. Like, that's, God. He didn't know it broke his orbital bone. Yeah, but you can tell when something's wrong, man. Like, it, you break a bone in your face. Like I it, think once you've been getting hit about the face the way he was, his whole face was just hurting. I don't know that he could have said, this part hurts a lot worse than this part and this part and this part and this part. No, he did both eyes I don't know that swollen. he knows that because he got hit about the face a lot. Yeah. Now, you got to... You got a very valid point. You got a very valid point. Okay. Last Dance, Michael Jordan documentary, episode seven and eight last night. I took a whole bunch of notes on it. Um, I want to kind of run through as much as we can on it. Uh, So, first thing I want to bring up, did you remember that John Calipari ever had the New Jersey Nets in the playoffs? Yes. I did not even remember that. When they brought it up, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, I, everybody talks about him being such a failure in the NBA. I mean, the man made it to the playoffs. Like, that's pretty damn good with a team like that. Like, I, I don't know. I thought it was kind of crazy. Sam Cassell, Keith Van Horn, Kerry Kittles. I mean, crazy. He made the playoffs, and then he got fired early in the next year. So, is what it is. Uh, the, let's talk about the crazy-ass rumors that his dad's death was, like, tied to his gambling stuff. I, Joseph Gomez jumps in and said, Kerry Kittles was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, all those players are pretty good. Like, he he created a pretty good team there. Um, couldn't do anything with them in 99, which is why he got fired when they started 3-17. and 17, But, yeah, uh, the 
all of this stuff about his dad's death, all the rumors and all that, the, like, it's one thing today to have it on blogs and, and whatever else, where it's social media and everything's a conspiracy theory. The amount of stories that came out about this really shocked me. Like, I, I, I remember it going on, but I did not remember so many actual news stories about it. I just remembered people talking about it, like on sports radio and stuff. Did, did that surprise you at all? Um, I don't remember. Well, I mean, we were pretty young when that happened. I don't remember the media coverage requesting it and talking about it. I remember it the older I got, people referring to it. It just seemed irresponsible. Yeah, I, th- I think that was pretty irresponsible. Um, Reinsdorf was still paying Jordan's basketball salary while he was playing baseball. Yep. Um, that seemed a little odd, which also fed into the conspiracy theories of uh, he was suspended for however long. Um, I thought that was a little weird. The uh, The timing of his comeback, coming back in March, you know, right before they're getting ready to go into the playoffs, all that kind of stuff, that seemed a little weird. Uh, all right, here, Matt jumped in for uh, for the Tony Ferguson thing, the orbital fracture. It's probably close to six months with healing and then getting him back to being able to take a punch. So, I mean, it could be could be like nine months. It could be a year. Yeah. I mean, he's got to go through training camp, all, all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, it's going to be a little while. Um, the So, the timing of the comeback in March, what right just before the playoffs. The, it, hang on now, hang on. It was only in March because baseball went on strike. Nobody that's, could predict that. That's so, not that's not weird or abnormal. It's it's something that nobody planned, especially him, because he's not like super involved in the players' union for baseball. Now, so he didn't know that this was coming. But well, once that's, it happened. So, he was sitting around. He said, well, "Shit, let's just go play ball." He he wanted that competition. He wanted to be able to play something. Um, which leads to the other question of. With like without the MLB strike, would Jordan have come back to basketball? Yes, you think so? He wouldn't have came back that year, but he would have came back. I don't know, hundred percent. I think if he's fighting for a, an MLB like roster spot, he wasn't close to making an MLB roster spot yet. Terry Francona said no, if he yet. had fifteen hundred at bats, he probably in his year and a half of playing baseball had two hundred at bats. Yeah, he wasn't close. He needed at least five more years of baseball to get to the fifteen hundreds, and then maybe he could have made an MLB roster spot. Agreed, but I, the, in the minor leagues, they don't play one hundred sixty-two games. No, no, they don't. But you don't, what, you I, don't get what I was curious about a year. is, it, it, yeah, I understand what Francona said. Uh, Matthew Miller jumped in. He said, um, fifteen hundred at bats is three to four years." Yeah, I understand that. Not, not in the minors, it's not. In the big it's, leagues, it is when you average 300 at-bats a year. Yes. It's in so, the minor leagues, they don't play 162 games. Yeah, they don't play as much. They don't get as many at-bats. I understand. I'm curious if he still had that challenge, and he was still fighting for that. He's he not, had he's something not to work that towards. carrot for five years. You don't think so? He'll know. He'll okay. know. Okay, all right. Uh, the faxed press release. With the uh, the I'm back, incredible. Looking back on it, I mean, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Seeing it in newspapers, seeing it on Sports Center, and it's all he had to say. Like, there's all these people that drop press releases and all this crap nowadays. With him, it was very simple. Like, there's you can 
fluff it up with all the other crap at the top. But when it came down to what the actual statement was, I'm back. You don't get any better than that. I thought that was fantastic. Um, let's see. The Oh, the first game back against the Pacers, where he is, and you, you've seen it through this entire documentary. You remember it like it was yesterday, how well-dressed, how meticulous he was with his uniform, with everything. Like, the man was perfectly put together at all times. In that first game back without his dad, he had his shorts on backwards. Now, it's one thing to go out with your shorts on backwards initially. He did not change it for the entire ball game. You think that's a superstition thing or or just he never even thought about it? I don't think he ever thought about it. I don't think he even acknowledged the fact that they were on backwards the entire time. You might be right. Uh, Damian jumped in on YouTube, said MJ should have stuck to Hollywood when he took time off from basketball because he sucked at baseball. Yeah. Like, I think I think he had room to improve. He definitely had potential. Um, but, yeah. Uh, Matt said Space Jam was the reason he came back. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it might have been, if you think about it. The timing was pretty crazy. Uh, Matt Miller, MJ in 97, had 434 at-bats. Uh, he said it's... Uh, it's three to four years, and then he said also Tebow hit 273. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, the uh, it, it may have been three to four years, but uh, I don't know. I, I think he – I really think he might would have stuck around in baseball if they hadn't had that, that strike. I, I think he saw – because he, he left before the, uh, the NBA strike. So, anyway – all right, uh, so that emotional issue. All right, the playoffs. Uh, that year against the Magic that changed his number from 45 back to 23. There's a rule that says you cannot change numbers in the middle of a series. Like, once you have a number assigned, that's your number. And it kind of goes to show that there are some of these rules in all of these organizations that really don't matter. And I want to know when that rule was written. I, I wonder if it was after. I'm certain it was after. Maybe so. Maybe so. Because I was I was looking at it, and I was like, I know there's a rule. And I went and I looked it up last night, and I was like. I'm, cer- I'm certain that is after that. Had to be. And also, it's a rule that does not matter. It's a dumb rule that does. It's Once again, we have rules that don't affect anything to do with the game. Which is ex- exactly what this I was is, saying. This is not football where three offensive linemen might look a little bit alike, and so we're going to change jerseys, and therefore, you know, maybe they were preparing for this one guy, but now they're getting another guy, and they don't recognize him. This is basketball. Everybody knows who everybody is. You're playing yeah. with the least amount of clothes as any professional sport is played with. McKinnon jumped in and said he certainly know Bo Jackson, but he definitely had potential to do well in Major League Baseball. Jose... Uh, jumped in, said, what's up, guys? Houston Rockets would have never won a ring. They would have had eight straight if Jordan had kept playing. Uh, probably. I mean, I'd, I'd almost guarantee you that. Uh, yeah, but, it, I mean, you can't look back on it because Jordan didn't have anything to play for after that third ring. Uh, Joseph Gomez, people still think Tebow is going to make the Mets lineup. Gator fans don't let anything go, I guess. Uh, no, I, don't, I think the Tebow thing is done. I don't think he's going to make the lineup. But, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, the 95 Eastern Conference Finals against the Magic, when Nick Anderson got that steal and, you know, it, everything just kind of fell apart for the Bulls. Um, Nick Anderson and Penny, I don't know if you noticed this or not, 
they were both wearing Jordans. Like, they were wearing Jordan 10s. I thought it was hilarious to look, and that's just a minor detail. Obviously, doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. This was before the little pennies came out, or before uh, Penny had his own shoe deal, all that kind of stuff. But all of the best guards in the NBA were wearing Jordans that year after Jordan retired. So when he came back, he got beat by a team that was outfitted in Jordans. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, the Orlando rivalry. I hate that we did not get to see more of that. That was a fun, up-and-coming rivalry. That team needed somebody like Horace Grant uh, to kind of put them over the, over the hump and get them into the finals. I wish if there was one thing that, that could change about NBA history back in the 90s, I wish that Shaquille O'Neal had not gone to the Lakers because I felt, and obviously you, you want to go back and revisionist history, you hope that Penny doesn't get hurt and all that kind of stuff, but when you look at all that, the Orlando Magic were a fun, really good basketball team. Like, do you remember watching that team back in 95, 96? Yeah, yeah they were good. They were they were unbelievable. Uh, I would have loved to have seen, you know, Penny and, and that bunch grow, in him and Shaq, uh, into one of these, you know, build up the way that the Bulls did. And I don't know that they had the same drive. Nobody has the same drive as Michael Jordan. But, uh, but that was a lot of fun, and I, it kind of made me a little nostalgic. Uh, the off-season shooting of Space Jam... Those pickup games, did that stand out to you at all? Yeah, so I can't believe that we the so it's been reported the only footage that anybody got of those pickup games was exactly what was shown last night. Yep you you have a studio with ninety cameras floating around and ninety cameramen floating around and everybody's on a damn break. And nobody thinks, hey, let's turn one of these cameras on. Yep. Nobody. Yep. That's Matthew we got Miller. About, we got about yeah. three minutes of total footage, and that's it. I would love to have seen that. Matt Miller said, but this. I'll tell you this: he Jordan's the mentality. Practices. This is where this is where he's not just the ultimate killer. Okay, oh, he's yeah. not just the most ruthless and brutal competitor on the planet. He's. He's also one of the smartest. He knew, I got to get back in shape. The only way I'm going to get back in shape is just playing. I can't just work out. I got to get my body back into basketball body, not baseball body anymore. All right? Also, I got no game film on these young bucks, okay? He he didn't have a whole lot on Reggie Miller. He didn't have a whole lot on some of these guys that just now starting to become stars, okay? So what do you do? You invite them in. You spend all summer playing with them. Yeah. And you learn this is their tendencies. Oh, he's got that move. Oh, he's got this move. All right, now I got him. Now I got them all. Good job. Good job. Yeah, he took notes on everybody. Had had yeah. had game. Well, not footage, but he he took notes. No. He knew well, what he to remembered expect. it all. He yeah. remembers it all. I don't know that he ever wrote anything down. He just he just knows what the tendencies are. Yeah, he 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 just yeah. he just knows basketball better than any person alive. Miller, uh, Matt Miller said those Space Jam practices would have been amazing to watch, and Nick Anderson after that 95 finals was never the same after missing four straight free throws. Yeah, 100%. Uh, he also said Bill Simmons said it's the only footage apparently, like Chris just said, MJ was probably gambling on him, that's why. So laughy cry face or whatever. Matt said uh, all those guys out in California are teamsters. They don't work when they're not required. <laughs> 
Oh, I'm not Lord. asking you to work for the studio. Wouldn't it, how, how much money do you think that guy could have gotten if he thrown a blank tape in there and just hit record? Yeah. Oh, I mean, just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Money. I mean, Jordan would have probably paid him a fortune just to buy it back from him. Oh, yeah. 100%. McKinnon jumps in. He said, uh, I actually uh, got to meet Sean Bradley a couple times, spend some legitimate time with him as a kid at Dallas Mavericks basketball camps. Genuinely nice guy, and it is impossible to describe how freaking tall that guy is. Yeah, he was like, what, 7'7"? Seven, seven? And the guy was ridiculous. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Uh, so the, the Space Jam thing, kind of similar to what happened with LeBron James, right? Had a down year, went out, started filming, and everybody, of course, was talking about all these other guys can't go out and film with him because you're not going to be able to train, you need to be getting better, da-da-da-da-da. It's like, like surely there's an, an off-season, a downtime at some point. Well, he goes out, he records Space Jam, just like Jordan did over a summer, and comes back the next year. I mean, the, the Lakers were 49-14 and 14 before the season was stopped. Like, LeBron was having basically an MVP kind of year. So... Kind of curious. I don't. I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that his recording of Space Jam has anything to do with that. No. 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 I don't think the recording of Space Jam itself. I do wonder if going out there, getting away from everything else, and setting up your your own workout spot, and you've got a, a schedule that you adhere to, makes you a little more disciplined, gets you into the right frame of mind. Just I think these guys do that already. LeBron, LeBron already takes care of his body better than anybody has ever taken care of their body in basketball. You might be right about that. I mean, Jordan, remember, early on in this documentary, Jordan had won a couple. No, he didn't. He, he was on the cusp of trying to beat the bad boy Pistons before he ever started. He was the best player in basketball before he ever started lifting weights. Yeah. Oh, and on top Could of you that. you imagine a player today – not lifting weights until they've been in the league for seven years. The, the man was out smoking cigars right after games, drinking beers. Like, he was staying out all night. And you know, before the games. Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. So, it, it's just – so, how 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 people take care of their bodies today, him making that movie now, he's already on a regiment. He's already on a schedule. And yeah. he's been on one for the last ten years. That that hasn't changed at all. This movie didn't change anything for LeBron. You he might just, be right. He he missed most of last year. He's rested. He's taken care of. He's real well rested. Um, the scene of Jordan talking about how his teammates felt about him, and then his quote that winning has a price. Very telling on the mentality that Michael Jordan has, and and I don't think anybody else on the planet loves to win as much as as he does. Like I, I think Kobe might have been a close second, but, but after Kobe, Kobe, got Kobe it from him. Well, yeah, Kobe got it from him, but it's it's also something that's got to be born in you. You can't learn yeah, that. Like that's the thing. Before Jordan, nobody saw anybody like that. Everybody who's come after that has the luxury of saying, "This guy was my idol, and I watched how he did it." Jordan never saw anybody work like that, and to and to have that kind of that kind of tenacity and that kind of killer instinct. I mean, Larry Bird was always known as the hardest working guy in the NBA, that was during the season. In yeah. the offseason, he was a farm boy, went down, rode a tractor in Indiana, okay? So, like, he he wasn't doing this year-round like Jordan was. He yeah. he just wasn't. No, no, you're right. You're right. McKinnon said, reminds me of the picture of the Chiefs quarterback smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer at halftime of Super Bowl One. Yeah. Times My, are a little different. 
I've said this before. I and and so we we texted back and forth a little bit this morning about, about this thing. It, I'll, I'll let you keep going through it, but part of it is is I I believe that Jordan is the. I don't know that I've ever known anybody who's ever loved winning like him. I don't know that I've ever loved anything in my life as much as I've watched this man love winning. Yeah. It really makes you stop and think, like, what am I dedicated to as much as he was to winning? Nothing. No, the, the answer to that is nothing, because if it was, we'd be better at it. Yeah. I say this all the time on the show. I believe this with all my heart. All greatness takes great sacrifice. And when Jordan choked up at the end of that and said, we got to take a break, he that's that's the truth. That's what he's saying. It's winning has a price. Yeah. If you're not willing to, to give something up, you're never going to get greatness. Yeah. And he wasn't playing for bullshit. He wasn't playing for a paycheck. He wasn't playing for anything other than to win. being the best. Not not this year, but being the best to ever do it ever again. Matt Miller asked a very interesting question. He said, how many guys off the top of your head were more talented than Jordan but weren't willing to make the sacrifice? That is I would a- venture to say that's come behind him a lot. Yeah, I, I think... But just because just people, people are, take care just, of their bodies so much better than he ever did. Yeah, I, well, I think there's so much more that's known now. Yep. Um, About how to work out and to do these things. Yeah. yeah I, I bet I bet a lot. I Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I can't even think of anybody off the top of my head that's more talented. Uh, <laughs> Damien said MJ was hanging around Rodman too much. That's the reason he's been that way. <laughs> he was doing some of those things before he met the worm, all right? Matt, that dude was seen smoking cigars way before Robin got there. Matt Miller said Shaq is the first to come to mind. Uh, Shaq still won, what did he win, three? He won three titles, right? No, Shaq's no, won four. like five. Four. No, I think, I think it was four. He won one with the Heat and he won three with the Lakers. So, Oh, no, no, no. He got one with the, no, no. I don't think so. I think, I think that's it. I think that's the only, the, yeah, because he, cause Kobe's got one more than him. Kobe's got five. Um, as far as the most talented that wasn't able or wasn't willing to sacrifice everything, I mean, there's, there's several in the league right now. now. In my opinion, in my opinion, the most talented basketball player that I've ever watched in my life, but this guy had one of the worst worth work ethics I've ever seen was Rasheed Wallace. I, I love, I was a massive Rasheed fan. That guy was shooting threes as a big man before anybody else, okay? Yeah. The Steph Curry stand on the on the sidelines doing an interview before the game, shooting three-pointers from the bench, basically. Rasheed, I, I, I was floor seats at the Cavs to watch the, the Pistons play just to sit right behind the, their bench in the entire pregame. He's doing interview after interview after interview, and his whole warm-up is shooting – free three-pointers from that point and making about 30% of them. I mean, that guy had raw talent. He had the height nobody else had, athletic ability nobody else had. Nobody had the combination of size and ability, and I don't know that that guy has ever worked out a day in his life. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matt Miller said uh, uh, Rasheed was never in the in peak physical condition. Uh, he never. said AI is up there, too. I, I think AI wasn't big enough to be able to – command a team the same way yep. like at, 
you know, you, if, if you want to talk the about the, you know, we're talking about practice. On this like, list would have to be Jordan. You got to be six six or bigger. Yeah, you got to be a big dude to be able to command respect. Because man. I, I think in order to play the level AI played, he had to work to get to that. We might not have seen all that, and we remember him joking around about practice. But you can't be a point guard without putting in the work. You can absolutely be a big man and just go out there and manhandle people and yeah. and do it, or Damian, just practice jump shots like Rasheed did. Yeah, and and. You know, that'd be it. Damien said, what about Magic? Um, oh, no, I think Magic was a legendary worker. Yeah, he, he was a worker, you know, initially. You know, I, I think as his seasons oh, I don't on, know that anybody works late. But, and I think that's the thing, right? Okay. You know, who cares? Uh, da- uh, Tim Duncan. But I, I think Tim Duncan got everything out of himself that he possibly could. He yep. just wasn't as good as Jordan. There was nothing left to give him that. Yeah. No. And so I, I think he worked as hard as he could, but he... As far as talent goes, no. Tim Duncan, I don't think, was as talented as Michael Jordan. If if Shaquille O'Neal would have learned to shoot free throws and could have shot like 50% from the free throw line, if he just worked at that, his scoring numbers would be untouchable right now. Oh, yeah. 100%. I agree with you. I mean, we're not. I'm not asking him to shoot 80%, all right? I'm not asking him to be, you know, Curry or Nash and, and shoot 90%. I, like a little better than 50%. And and he would have had another I don't know two three hundred points a year. Well, just bump that thing up to you know sixty percent and that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. it's it, it go his scoring title his scoring numbers just get get almost untouchable. Uh, Matt Miller said Jordan revolutionized offseason working out before guys used training camp in the beginning of the season to get in shape. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Larry Bird was a legendary where he was the hardest working person in all the NBA. But he did it through the season. Yeah, because in the offseason, like you said, in the he was back home. He shit. Yeah, he was back home on the farm. Uh, let's roll through some of these other notes. Jordan laughing at Gary Payton's comments was my favorite part of the documentary thus far. I hadn't seen Jordan really uh, crack and just, you know, laugh at somebody. And he was laughing at the glove, man. Uh, and that's that's hilarious. That, like that, that Sonics, thing, I would watch a 10-part do, uh, documentary on the Sonics. Now, I don't know that, you know, most of the nation would, but a 10-part documentary on that Sonics bunch with him and Sean Kemp, that would have been something else, man, because the stories that came out of there were unbelievable. Uh, The motivation stuff, this kind of dives back into what makes him such a relentless worker, just all that kind of mess. The LeBradford Smith story about him saying, nice game, Mike, and then it comes out that that never actually happened, that was something else. Um I okay. Here's here's a good question. Now this is it kind of ties back into the motivation stuff. What do you think Jordan would have done to Scotty for quitting? Um, I think he would be in jail with no parole. So I because that I is have, something I, I was going to bring opinion up about Scotty. Okay, and I had it before this before this documentary happened, and it wasn't always a popular one. Is Scotty one of the top fifty basketball players of all time? He definitely was before recent times, but. There's been some really good basketball players that are better than Scotty in the last five to ten years to take yes. over basketball. I don't know that he's still in the top fifty. Probably is, but but it's closer now than it used to be. All right. I my my knock on Scotty has never been he's he's not a great basketball player. Let's let's end that. Okay. Outstanding, unbelievable, world class basketball player. Okay. My problem with Scotty is this. 
I do believe that that guy rode the jock of Michael Jordan. So I don't, I don't ever, I'm always usually on the player's side when it comes to players and owners. Okay. Rarely I'm going to side on owners, but one thing I never do is I never blame the owner when a player signs a bad contract. All right. And we heard about when we got through the Scotty stuff in the very first couple of episodes of this about that awful five-year, $18 million contract and how low he was being paid and all yeah. this other stuff. Seven, seven years, $18 we, million, not We need to remember. Great. We need to remember. That wasn't, the, that wasn't the only one. Scotty signed two bad extensions with them. Now, now, while we can feel sorry for him for being maybe taken advantage of for the first one, why the hell did he sign the second one? And I'm going to tell you the answer to that because I believe this is true and nobody will convince me otherwise. Scotty didn't want to go play for another team. He would have played for beans for the Bulls as long as he knew Jordan was there because he didn't want to ever play against Jordan because he saw how Jordan crushed other people. I think Scotty is is a weak-minded person. And, And you see it multiple times in this documentary, multiple times throughout Scotty's career when things got hard, he just quit. He yeah. just quit the last season, the 98 season. Well, that's not you sticking it to Jerry and I'm just not going to play for you and you took advantage of me. No, you knew Phil's leaving. Jordan's going to retire. I want to go play somewhere else and get paid, but I don't want to do it until after until after Jordan retires because yeah. he didn't ever want to face Jordan. And so I'm just going to sit out this whole year and not play because if I play and I play great, then maybe Jerry gets an offer, a trade offer for me. I actually get traded. And then heaven forbid, I go to a playoff team and have to face this man in the playoffs. I think Scotty, his entire career was terrified in that situation where he quit. And who was it? Bill Cartwright that, yeah. that stands up at the end of the game in the locker room in tears, looking at him across the room saying, you quit on me. You quit on me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you, I don't feel bad for him getting those shitty contracts because he signed those contracts. Yeah. Jerry Reinstor even said, you sure you want to do this? Yep, I want security. Well, you don't get security and a lot of money. You get one or the other, and at some point in time, you got to bet on you, and Scotty never bet on him. No. Never. Never did. He Never wanted did. he wanted his cake. He wanted to eat it too. He wanted everything. That's I wanted to bring up that that Scottie Pippen is really kind of being painted in a bad light. But I, but so hey, he I had think a he chance to it. walk it back. He had a chance to walk it back and literally looked at the camera and said, "I'd do the same thing again. I don't know that I'd do it any different." Yeah, which is crazy. It's like you double down on it. Just nuts. Uh, All these years later, you don't regret it enough to even feel bad about quitting on your team in a playoff spot. That's just crazy. Crazy to think I about. Can't, I'm really shocked that Jordan – I'm going to tell you this. People think that they, they were BFFs. Oh, no. Remember, Simmons talked about this this morning in his podcast. I listened to – other guy listened to it here earlier. You said um, it wasn't Scotty when, when he wanted to come back and play – Jordan wanted to come back and play. He didn't go have breakfast with Scotty. He wasn't friends with Scotty. He called BJ. Yeah. And he wouldn't have breakfast with BJ. Okay. We always assume because Scotty was the second best player in the I'm gonna tell you that after he Jordan saw him quit, I don't know that he outside of his basketball acumen, Jordan used him as a pawn because he knew he needed him to win championships, but I don't know that he ever trusted him again. Uh, Matt Miller said, I highly doubt Coach and Pippen send each other Christmas cards uh, after this and the Olympics. 
Yeah, I'd bet. And then Jose on YouTube said uh, Pippen is top 20. And then he uh, he put some laughy faces about what he did to Ewing. Like, yeah, the the whole slamming on, you know, the slam dunk on top of Patrick Ewing, like that was that was something else. We're no, not saying that Pippen. Elite, I mean, a world-class player. May, maybe that's one of the guys that you can talk about as far as, you know, one of those questions what from earlier. What happens if he actually had the work ethic of Jordan had? And he had Jordan in his ass his whole career. Yeah, and still couldn't get him. And still never, like never in, made it any better than what he did. In a season without Michael Jordan, you had a chance to go out there and you still quit on your team with 1.8 seconds left because they didn't because, call a play for because you. Because the ball didn't go to you. And you know why crazy. Phil didn't trust you with the ball? Because so Phil that, saw you every week, week in and week out. Yep. Your I coach mean, knows you way better than we as fans. Anybody or even watching you film, know yourself. Everybody. Yeah, I mean, he knows... Who can hit this shot? Who can't? I ain't trusting Scotty with this ball. Now you got that right. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, let's close out with with these two. His entourage. Uh, there was no entourage. It, it's completely different than than NBA players today because you got everybody around you at all times. He had nobody around him. His entourage was his father, and then his driver and his security. And that's like this whole thing. The look ahead for next week talks about how one of his security guys took over the role of his father after his father passed. Sure. Like, it was, it, the guy would take phone calls for Mike at 2 o'clock in the morning, and Mike's lonely, and he's upset about something. And the guy's wife was like, he'd leave the house at 2 o'clock in the morning to go check on Mike. Like, yep. he had nobody. He didn't trust anybody, and it's crazy to look at that. For somebody in that position, especially when, you know, the greatest player in, in the most modern era is LeBron James, he's surrounded by everybody. He's got everybody in his ear all the, the time. The, pro the, the problem is LeBron has been famous since he was 17 years old. Okay? Agreed. And he brought everybody we, up we with don't, him. We don't know how many people have been around him are there for the paycheck or are there for real. Jordan, A, and Jordan's a really hard person to be around. I mean, we've found this. We've watched this documentary, and you, anybody who knows Jordan, he's, he's so competitive. I, I'm going to bet he's a really tough hang. And be, because of that, you know. Well, and you kind of you got to be on eggshells that all time because if you say one wrong thing, your friendship he is He didn't done. get super rich enough to buy his friends. I mean, remember, LeBron James turned 18 years old and was given a $100 million contract and a Hummer from Gatorade, okay, and Nike. So, like, he Jordan didn't have that kind of money until midway through his career, late in his career. I mean, he's yeah. seven years in the league making two, $3 million a year. Yeah, no, that's true. I that mean, is, he, he was always a loner. buying entourage money. Now, you're right. Uh, Damian Estrada, by the way, said, do y'all think uh, if Pippen was traded for McGrady, they would still win championships? Yep. Yeah, I think so. Yep. I think I think you just had to have pieces around Michael Jordan. Jordan. Like, it, I don't think it was necessarily that it was Rodman because I think you could have put a couple of other guys in that same spot and it would have been fine. I mean, they won it with Horace Grant. Like, I'll tell you this. I don't know that. I think, I think the reason Rodman was there for the last two championships because everybody assumed Rodman was going to be done after that. For is a one-and-done thing for him. Every, that was a universal thought. And the reason he wasn't one-and-done is because they couldn't find anybody else to do what Rodman did. 
If they could have, they would have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it still took pieces around him. Tracy McGrady is not some slouch. We're not replacing Dennis uh, uh, Scotty Pippen with a slouch. You're, You're replacing him with a guy who's much younger than him. That, that has a fire in his belly as opposed to a guy that's on the back end of his career. That's already won, you know, four uh, that's titles. That's already yeah. won a lot, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think I think we're looking at, at different things when you're talking about if that deal could have gotten made. So, uh, And the last thing that I wanted to bring up, uh, and I wrote this down because it, it just kind of surprised me. You know, they talk about Jordan's kids and the whole Father's Day thing and everything else. Still no mention of his, uh, of his ex-wife. Um, well, and they barely talk about his kids. I mean, it barely. Literally, yeah. they showed his kid with the sign. That's the list of talking about his kids. Yeah, and and he may want that, but it, right. it lets you know this is a Jordan documentary. This is not a Bulls documentary. This is a Jordan documentary, and he kind of decided he and Nike, I believe, decided who goes in it and who doesn't because we talked last week about Sonny Vaccaro not being on it, and now his ex-wife, who you know they they had a. They tried. But he, to, he doesn't have his kids in there either. I mean, that, that yeah. what what they showed last night is not putting his kids in the documentary. No. Okay. No, you're right. You're I right. Mean, that, they literally showed a picture of his child a holding a sign. sign up. That's a, yeah. You so. got a valid point. Now they do show his his mom and his family uh, multiple times, but yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a little strange. Uh, all in all, I think the last two episodes, seven and eight, were the most riveting of the entire documentary so far. Uh, so it, I text you. I text you this crazy. morning. And I said last night, first thing I said was I, I, I thought about all night about how we how fortunate we are of our age, late 30s, early 40s. We, we've seen Tom Brady, the, the greatest football player ever. We've seen um, Wayne Gretzky, the, the unquestionable best hockey player of all time. We've seen Tiger Woods, someone who is – so relentless when he was on top, just unbeatable. All of them pale, pale in comparison to the ruthlessness and killer instinct that Jordan had. Oh, yeah. We have never in our life. I I thought about this last night. I said, I used to say all the time, and I still say it all the time, they don't make men like they used to, all right? They, yeah. they just don't, all right? They were tougher. I, every generation that comes after me, there are tough guys, but for the most part, they don't make people as tough as they used to make them, okay? When God made Jordan, they've never made anybody like him before, and he never made anybody like him after. I he agree. just He just didn't. We'll, we've never seen anything like that before. The other thing that I thought all night long, I laid in bed and I didn't sleep much at all. All I kept thinking is Jordan after game was a game six. Yeah. Riling on the floor face buried in a basketball in the training room, weeping, weeping into a basketball after winning his fifth title. But the first one without that was, his dad. that was the fourth one. Yeah. Fourth title. Fourth title. That's yeah, right. First, That's the fourth first one first, back. The first of the new three, Pete. Father's Day, not having his dad. And we've seen that video before. That video has been out in the ether. We've never heard the footage. We never heard Jordan weep like that. Yeah. We never heard that cry. I didn't sleep last night. 
because all I kept thinking of this guy that I idolized that I thought was a robot that I thought was a machine that I thought was it's fitting that he made space jam because he's the one that's not of this world. He's not natural. There, there is God couldn't have made two people any more different than Jordan and me. When I saw him crying his eyes out on the floor, I thought we are the same species. Yeah. It it definitely made him more human. It um, was it was something that I'm never gonna forget. It, it's not I've seen that picture, but I guess I just kind of thought it was one of those still quiet moments because we've never had sound with it. And then you got the sound last night and it totally changed my opinion of that image that I've seen for decades. And when I hear him blubbering into this basketball and I just think, Oh no, Oh no, this is not what I thought it was. And I didn't handle it well. I mean, it, it kind of, I mean, it kind of fucked little, me up. Yeah. I can, yeah. I can believe that. I mean, cause it's, it really, it, it obviously it tugs at the heartstrings a little bit, but it just kind of helps you realize that he's not that much different than anybody else. It's just he has a drive and a work ethic unlike anybody else. That's so what I thought. The dedication. I've never loved anything the way he loved winning. Yeah. I've never loved anything. I've hurt like that before from losing things. I've, I've never won anything or had anything good happen to me that caused me to weep like that. Never. Let's uh let's dive into these YouTube comments. Matt Miller said, hard times make hard men. Hard men make soft times. Soft times make soft men. It's a cycle. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, that society nowadays, 100%. Like, it, we, we don't have to be hard. I grew up a pretty hard situation. Not that I want anybody to feel sorry for me. But look, I, I definitely didn't grow up the easy way. But... I'm absolutely not hard by any stretch of the imagination in any way, shape, form, or fashion. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think more highly of you than you do of yourself sometimes. You you might. You might. That's a, you, you've done pretty well for yourself, man. I've like done you, great worked, for myself. Oh, no, no, no. That, that is not what I'm saying. I'm just not a hard person, not a tough person. Uh, Jose said, MJ needed Pippen like LeBron needs everybody. Um yeah. We're going to disagree there. McKinnon said, here we go. Tom is still not the greatest football player. Come on now, Chris. Maybe a top five quarterback in regards to actual skills and player abilities. Top five quarterback? Okay. In we're, regards, we're hold on. In regards to championships, he's undoubtedly the best. Without Belichick, he's not what we see today. It's still amazing to watch, and I appreciate being able to physically watch him play. Um, and then, <laughs> then Damian Estrada said, damn it, God, why did you make Tom Brady? Uh, ben... It has an interesting question. He said Arnold Palmer in the 60s? I don't know. I still think I Tiger. Know. I can't speak to that because I've never saw it other than other than highlight reels. And was Arnold Palmer that much better than Jack Nicholson? I, I don't – I I think you take Tiger in his prime against Ta- Arnold Tiger's Palmer. Tiger's the most ruthless golfer. Or Jack Nicholas in his seen. time. Then yeah, I I think I think Tiger is the best of all but time. But I don't know. I can't speak to Arnold. I never watched him play. I seen highlights, but the problem with highlights are is you can make anybody look like a badass with highlights. Right, here we go. Matt Matt Miller found the uh, found the quote. It said, uh, "Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times." Yeah, uh, McKinnon said, "Love you, Chris. Just got to wash them uh, hard to swallow pills down with some good bourbon." Like. <laughs> 
There's nothing hard to swallow. It's just not real. That's a magic pill. That's a that's a beanstalk that doesn't exist. Top five quarterback. I swear. Maybe. We, maybe. Use we have that gone word. super long today. Let's try and roll through uh, these last two topics here. Uh, Matt said, Bill Kazmaier is the world's strongest man. He was banned because he was so strong. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's dive into this last one. Zion Williamson, who a lot of people believe is the greatest up-and-coming basketball player. I don't know that we necessarily uh, agree He's in there, though. He's, he's, he's fun. He's, we don't, this, is, this is a pro-Zion podcast. Yeah, yeah, no, no. We're definitely pro-Zion. Mark I mean, we're, has We're very much team jaw if we have to divide up teams. But we like but I don't Zion. I why you have to do that. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I grew up loving Tom and Peyton. You don't have to love one and hate the other. This is not the Lord and the devil, okay? You got that right. Uh, Mark Slayball said, Attorneys representing Zion Williamson's former marketing representative and her company have asked the New Orleans Pelican star to admit that his mother and stepfather demanded and received gifts, money, and other benefits from persons acting on behalf of Adidas and Nike and also from people associated with Duke University to influence him to sign with the Blue Devils and to wear Nike or Adidas products. Williamson, who played one season at Duke before becoming the number one pick in the 2019 NBA draft, sued Gina Ford and Prime Sports in June in an attempt to terminate his marketing agreement with her company. Williamson's attorneys claimed that the contract was in violation of North Carolina's Uniform Athlete Agents Act because Prime Sports is not certified by the NBA Players Association nor a registered athlete agent in North Carolina or Florida. And there's a lot more stuff that goes into it, but basically, this is like in the middle of this lawsuit. They are trying to get Zion Williamson's family to admit that they ex- that, like they agreed to and accepted gifts from Duke and everything else. Um, one, it's not going to happen. They, this is just a, a ploy to make some some news on this lawsuit that's been going on for a while now. Ooh, I, we we I think we disagree here. Then okay, go ahead, go ahead, fill, fill I, me in here. I think I think part of the things that he accepted were part of things that they negotiated for him and they are trying to show uh, evidence and good faith that we, you know, we did these things that we were supposed to do. We're owed what we're owed. I I absolutely think that it's relevant. This is not just trying to bring down Duke here because these people obviously have a relationship with all these schools, all these universities. They wouldn't want to burn one. They're, They're doing this as part of the lawsuit that they're trying to win. This is not a, I don't think this is a media ploy. I think there's information that they need and and that there's there's more language in the contract that we don't we're not privy to to state that you did get these gifts, you did get these things given to you and we got them for you. We negotiated this, which means we're owed our cut, we're owed our percentage. Uh Sharonda Sampson Williamson's mother and Lee Anderson his stepfather quote, demanded and received gifts and uh, economic benefits from persons acting on behalf of Duke University directly and or indirectly to influence Williamson to attend Duke to play basketball. Uh, There's a bunch of these, so I'm going to, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, They, let's see, they demanded gifts from uh, Nike to attend Duke. They demanded and received gifts, money, and or other benefits from persons acting on behalf of Adidas to wear Adidas shoes. Um... Let's see. Da, 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 da. They, uh, before becoming a student at Duke, Williamson, or persons acting on his behalf, uh, including but not limited to Sharonda Sampson and Lee Anderson, accepted 
Uh, benefits from an NCAA certified agent that are not expressly permitted by the NCAA legislation. Uh, in a separate filing last week, Ford's attorneys asked Williamson to disclose his and his parents' addresses where he attended Duke. Da, 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 da. There's a... Uh, Let's see. There's there's several more. So basically, what you're saying, I think, is probably right. Probably right. They they got put together all of these uh, different things, and they're saying we did what we were supposed to do, and we are owed that. Yeah, you're now trying to terminate the contract, but we haven't been made whole. That's what I think happening. I'm I'm going to tell you this. So you know, I'm very much pro player, and I hate the players going down. For for these people getting paid under the table, this is the this is the ruthlessness of college football and college basketball, um, in the way it is. Um, Pat Forty sent out a tweet. He wrote an article about this, but there's just there's one line. This tells everybody exactly what you think about this. Okay, this is how most of the country feels, unless you're a Duke fan. Nobody really cares whether Zion got paid, but a lot of people care if. Duke Blue Devils and Nike skated while dozens of other schools are being busted, investigated, and probed. And majority of all those schools are Adidas schools. Yeah. And this is where the FBI, who's who's bringing this raid down, there's been a lot of scrutinization. They've been heavily scrutinized by saying, it's really funny that Adidas has less schools then Nike, we believe all of these schools are cheating. You've got one Nike school, which is LSU, and the rest are all Adidas schools. And we find that very interesting because that's not how statistics are supposed to work. 80% of the schools are Nike schools, but 90% of the schools that you've called are all Adidas schools. And I think the only reason you got uh, a Nike school was because he used to be at an Adidas school. And yeah. he, the investigation started at his previous job. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. That's where you get shady, shady dealings going. Okay. Ben said NCAA picks and chooses, and it's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Yep. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And that's wanna, one thing to pick and choose your blue bloods because they're going after Kansas. Kansas is a blue blood they normally wouldn't want to touch. Well, but the Kansas right? stuff came out in court and all that. It so. But it took them four years to actually send an NOA to Kansas. Oh, there's so. still going to be four years. I mean, it's, the NOAs for all these schools are going to be. I mean, now they're going to take two or three more years fighting it. So yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be the wild. timeline is irrelevant. It is the problem is is the pristine of Coach K. I've been saying it forever. Everybody in college basketball hates Cal, and everybody loves K. And at some point in time, we have to realize they're the same person. They're playing the same game. And if you love one and hate the other, then shame on you. Yeah. Okay? Because you're blinded. If you hate Cal because he because he's shady and he's dirty and he, he works these deals for these kids, he's the only one taking care of the kids. 100%. Coach K's taking care of himself. And if he had to burn these kids to, to, to skate, he will. He absolutely will. I agree He's with the same you. Same mean cuss as all the rest of them. <laughs> um, right, quick. Let's let's dive off that topic. Let's jump into the comments again. McKinnon is about to lose his mind over here. Uh, he's he's telling you his list of quarterbacks: Brett Favre, number one; Peyton Manning, two; Drew Brees, three; Tom Brady, four; Dan Marino, five. 
He said purely off their skills and abilities on the Joe field. Joe Montana wasn't a quarterback? Hang on. Joe Montana didn't make your list? John Elway didn't make your list? He said this is all purely off their skills and abilities on the field. Those top three could do things with the football. Tom I'm okay with of. purely off their skills and ability. Joe Montana, John Elway don't make your list, and Tom Brady is fifth on it. Well, fourth. You, you've lost your ability to have an argument. He said, uh, he said Tom's leadership is what sets him apart. Uh, sets him apart as in setting him apart on a higher level. And he said, abilities uh, on the field, number one overall. Abilities on the field, Michael Vick. Has uh, he, never well, been he, matched before, ever. He said Bo Jackson is still the greatest football player on skill alone. Uh, the dude literally never worked out of practice, and outside of a crazy injury, he's a Hall of Famer in the NFL and Major League Baseball. So, I, McKinnon, I don't think we're going to agree on this one. <laughs> I mean, you're, it's you're one thing to talk about talent. to have a voice. Um, but, yeah, that's... I say that's crazy shit all the time, but you got to be able to back it up. And and you haven't backed it up at all, and you've made yourself look bad, McKinnon. Come on. That's you're a, better you, than this. You know better than that, McKinnon. Come on now. Let's I'm dive. a Bo Jackson guy. I love Bo. To say Bo is a top, the, the number one football player of all time is just an insane thing to say. He, he did jump in. He said, I can dig the Vic pick. So, uh, look, let's let's close out this show today. We're, we're nearly an hour and a half in. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Like today, it doesn't really matter. But, uh, yeah, we've, we've gotten into a lot. We're going to close with Zach Evans enrolling at TCU. He is the first five-star that... Gary Patterson has gotten to the Horned Frogs. Now, the story behind Zach Evans is pretty crazy. Uh, for those of you that have not paid attention to what is going on here, he's a five-star running back. He was number 16 overall player in the country. He's out of the Houston area. He originally signed a letter of intent with Georgia back in December and was not going to announce it until January at the Under Armour All-American game. However, things changed in that time period. He was... An All-American in his junior year of high school. His senior year, he still made second-team All-American, but here's the deal. He he had some behavior issues and also maybe some academic stuff going on. Uh, he was suspended for a major part of this season, and he didn't even get to play in the state championship game for his team in high school, which... Red flags abound for this guy. Now, immediately, he comes in, and he is the most talented offensive player that they have got at TCU. He will start from day one yes. if he can get in. Um, Jose said this guy is a joke. He's an insanely talented player. If Gary Patterson can get him on the right path, he's going to be really good. But that's a lot to ask, man. That's a lot to ask. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm glad that uh, that Patterson was able to get, you know, a super talented kid in there. I think this is going to take some work, though. Is it? Might. This is probably going to take some work. Uh, we got multiple comments to close this out. Jose wants to know: Does baseball start this month? No, I don't think so. I uh, wish. I wish it'd be great. Uh, Damian Estrada said, uh, "Jim McMahon is the best quarterback of all time." <laughs> He's just trying to stir up stuff. Uh, Ben said Mitchell Trubisky's the goat, and now we just got people getting around. You guys are, you guys keep keep playing, keep playing in the comments. It's all good. We do appreciate all of you for jumping in though on the chat. Uh, obviously, you make the show what it is. We have a fantastic time every single day. Go over to Winning Cures Everything. Make sure you are subscribed on whichever platform you are watching on. We uh we love all of you. 
Um, I can't I can't tell you enough how much we appreciate you guys jumping in. You you make our afternoons a lot more fun. So with that said, Chris, is there anything else that we need to hit today? That's it. Let's go home. That is it. You guys have been fantastic. As always, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And we'll see you at 430 again tomorrow. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.